On March 16th, we commemorate the martyr Sabinus of Egypt, martyr Papas of Liconia, St. Serapion, Archbishop of Novgorod, the Apostle Aristobulus of the 70th Bishop of Britain, Haramartyr Alexander, Pope of Rome, Martyr Julian of Anazarabus, Haramartyrs Trophimus and Thalus of Laodokia, Saints Pimen of Saloshi and Anton Meshki, and Liners of Dagestan and the North Caucasus people, Saint Fisodulo of Patmos, Saint Vitus, Saint Ambrose the Confessor, and Saint Demetrios the Devoted King of Georgia. The Holy Martyr Sabinus was administrator of the Egyptian city of Hermopolis. During the persecution of Christians under the Emperor Diocletian 284-305, St. Sabinus and some like-minded companions hid in a remote village. His hiding place was revealed by a certain ungrateful beggar. The saint used to feed him and help him with money, but the man betrayed him for two pieces of gold. Sabinus was seized with six other Christians, and after torture, they were all drowned in the Nile in 287. The holy martyr Papas lived in the city of Laranda in Asia Minor during the reign of Maximian, 305-311. They arrested and tortured him for his belief in Christ. His feet were put into boots with sharp nails hammered into the soles and made to walk. They took him to the city of Diocesaria and later to Seleucia, Isaria, to stand trial. St. Papas died bound to a barren tree which then became fruitful. St. Serapion was born in the village of Pekorka, near Moscow, and from a young age he was inclined toward monasticism. According to the wish of his parents, he entered into marriage and was ordained to the priesthood. A year later he became a widower and was tonsured at the Dubensk Monastery of the Dormition. Because of his virtuous life, he was elected as Igumen of the monastery, and he labored so much for it that it later became known by his name, Serapion Hermitage. Desiring to engage in more rigorous ascetical struggles, the saint resigned his position and entered the Trinity Sergius Lavra, where he became the Igumen in 1495. The saint enjoyed the respect of the great prince Ivan Vasilievich, and at his request, the prince pardoned three convicted boyars who had been condemned to death. While attending the council of 1504, St. Serapion passionately defended the practice of the church and monasteries possessing property as a means of charity. This brought him into conflict with St. Joseph of Volokolans, commemorated on September 9th, who taught that the church should not own villages and estates. In 1506, he was consecrated as Archbishop of Novgorod. During a big fire in that city in the year 1508, the saint tearfully prayed that the Lord would cause it to cease. St. Serapion had to endure many troubles. In 1509, he was deprived of his see and exiled to Moscow's Andronikov Monastery. In 1511, St. Serapion moved to Trinity Sergius Lavra, where he spent the remainder of his life in unceasing meditation and prayer, honored by the Lord with the gifts of discernment and of working miracles. After being tonsured into the schema, the hierarch reposed in peace on March 16, 1516. His incorrupt relics were found on April 7, 1517, and to this day the rest hidden in Serapion's pavilion at Holy Trinity Cathedral in Trinity Sergius Lavra. The Lord has glorified his saint with the gift of miracles.
both during his lifetime and after his death. Once, on the feast of the Dormition, the saint healed a lame man, who for many years had crawled on his feet and hands and feet, leaning on pieces of wood. In 1608, during the siege of the Lavra by the Poles, many monks and laymen, who came to the temple to pray for his monastery, saw him in the bishop's vestments. The Holy Apostle Aristobulus of the Seventy was born in Cyprus. He and his brother, the Holy Apostle Barnabas of the Seventy, accompanied the Holy Apostle Paul on his journeys. St. Aristobulus is mentioned by the Apostle Paul in the Epistle to the Romans, Romans 16, verse 10. St. Paul made Aristobulus a bishop and sent him to preach the gospel in Britain, where he converted many to Christ. He endured the torments and malice of the pagans and eventually baptized them. St. Aristobulus died in Britain among the people he had evangelized. His memory is celebrated on October 31st and also on the Synaxis of the Seventy Apostles on January 4th. Hieromartyr Alexander, Bishop of Rome, served for ten years as the Archpastor of Rome. He was burned alive on May 3rd, 119, by order of the Emperor Hadrian, 117-138. The Hieromartyr Julian of Anazanabus suffered for Christ in Antioch, Syria, under the Emperor Maximian Galerius, 305-311. His relics were glorified by miracles in the time of St. John Chrysostom. Chrysostom mentions the martyr in his 47th homily. The holy martyrs Trophimus and Phallus, brothers and presbyters of Syria, served in Carian Laodicea during a persecution under the Emperor Diocletian 284-305 and his co-emperor Maximian 284-305. The brothers were taken under guard and brought before the governor, asked Epiodotus. He ordered the holy brothers to be stoned, but the stones which they threw at the saints returned and struck those who threw them. After a second interrogation, the holy brothers were sentenced to be crucified. Going to execution, they glorified God because they were found worthy of dying on a cross, as the Savior did. The holy martyrs of Christ continued to preach from the cross, and their brave mother stood nearby. A certain Jewess bowed to the saints and cried out, Blessed is the mother who gave birth to such sons. When the martyrs surrendered their souls to God, the prison guard said that he saw the souls of the holy brothers being carried upwards to heaven in the company of three angels. The people stayed with the bodies of the holy martyrs all night, and in the morning the wife of the torturer, Asclepiodotus, came to the place of execution with her bejeweled veil. She told the people that in a dream she saw the holy martyrs and the angels sent to punish her husband. The mother of the martyrs and two Christians, Zosimus and Artemon, buried the holy brothers in their native city of Stratonikea, Lydia. The torturer, Asclepiodotus, soon fell ill and died a horrible death. St. Piman, the fool for Christ, and Anton Meshki of Meshketi in southern Georgia lived in the 13th century when the Mongols were regularly invading Georgia. The entire country and the church in particular languished under the yoke of Mongol oppression. The Georgian people were once again faced with the terrible choice to preserve the temporal flesh or attain spiritual salvation. Most would not yield to the temptation of the enemy and choose instead to die as martyrs for Christ. At that time, a monk named Piman, a fool for Christ, labored in the David Gareji wilderness his ancestral roots were in the Kakheti region of eastern Georgia. Human rebuked the kings and condemned the unjust and immoral acts of the nobility. The pious monk Anton Meshti labored with him. Enlightened with divine grace, 
the fathers recognized that the Georgian people were following their king's poor example. Thus, the monks began a struggle for the spiritual salvation of the nation's people that demanded the censure of the king. In addition to their labors of foolishness and censuring of kings, the saints preached Christianity among the Dagestani, located to the northeast of Georgia and borders of the Caspian Sea. For their great spiritual achievements and struggles on behalf of godly purity, the Christian faith, and the spread of the gospel among the Dagestanis, the Georgian Church has counted Pimen the Fool for Christ and Anton Meski worthy to be numbered among the saints. St. Ambrose the Confessor in the world Bessarion Kelaya was born in 1861. He received his primary education at theological school in San Miguelo and graduated from Tbilisi Seminary in 1885. He graduated and was ordained to the priesthood in the same year. Father Ambrose served as a priest in Sokumi in northwestern Georgia for eight years, at the same time teaching the Georgian language in schools and directing the activity of various philanthropic societies. In 1896, he was widowed, and in 1897, he enrolled at the Kazan Theological Academy. While in Kazan, Father Ambrose followed both the literary cultural life of the city, as well as the Georgian National Independence Movement, with great interest. He researched the history of Georgia from primary sources and composed several essays based on his findings. His essay entitled, The Struggle Between Christianity and Islam in Georgia, was so compelling to one professor that he recommended that Father Ambrose continue exploring this theme and present his research for a master's degree. In 1901, Father Ambrose completed his studies at the Kazan Theological Academy, and in the same year, he was tonsured a monk and returned to Georgia. Together with the greatest sons of his nation, he fought tirelessly for the autocephaly of the Georgian Orthodox Church. As a punishment for his uncompromising commitment to this goal, Father Ambrose was exiled to Russia in 1905. Upon his return to Georgia, he was elevated to the rank of Arhimandrite and appointed abbot of Chelishi Monastery. Chelishi Monastery had at one time been a center for theological education in Georgia, but many years had passed since then, and the monastery's student body was rapidly shrinking. Before long, it would be completely deserted. But with the blessing of Bishop Leonid of Imereti, later Catholicos Patriarch of all Georgia, St. Ambrose gathered a number of gifted young people to study at the seminary and began to instruct them in chanting and the reading of the Holy Gospel. St. Ambrose devoted much of his time and energy to finding and restoring the old manuscripts of Kelishi Monastery. Once while passing through the monastery yard, he heard a muted sound coming from beneath the earth. He began to dig at that place and discovered an ancient copy of the Holy Gospels. It was the Chelishi Gospel, a famous Georgian relic from the 9th or 10th century. Soon, St. Ambrose joined the Tbilisi Synodal Council and was enthroned as abbot of Holy Transfiguration Monastery in Tbilisi. But in 1908, he was accused of conspiring the murder of the ex-arch Nikon and deprived of the right to serve in the church. The prosecutors exiled him to the Holy Trinity Monastery in Riazan, where he spent over a year under strict guard. In 1910, St. Ambrose was acquitted and again permitted to serve in the church. In 1917, Archimandite Ambrose returned to Georgia and rejoined the struggle for an autocephalous Georgian church. Within a few months, the church's autocephaly was proclaimed. He was consecrated Metropolitan of Chukondidi, later to be transferred to the Tsukum of Gazeti region. In 1921, St. Ambrose was enthroned Catholicos Patriarch of all Georgia. 
the Soviet government began to persecute the church not long after St. Ambrose's enthronement. Some 1,200 churches were plundered, converted for other purposes, or destroyed. A great number of clergy were arrested, exiled, and later shot to death. On February 7, 1922, Catholicos Patriarch Ambrose, the spiritual father and chief shepherd of his nation, sent a memorandum to participants in the Conference of Genoa, in which he defended the rights of the Georgian Church and nation. Every word of his appeal was permeated with distress for the fate not only of his motherland, but of the entire human race. St. Ambrose assured his audience that a nation and government deprived of Christian virtue would have no future and pleaded for help in this time of misfortune. The receipt of such a memorandum was unprecedented for the Bolshevik regime, and in response, the officials had St. Ambrose arrested. Nevertheless, he fiercely criticized the government's complacence with acts of crime, injustice, and sacrilege. In response to one of the Bolshevik interrogations, the Patriarch asserted, Confession of faith is a spiritual necessity for every nation. Persecution increases its necessity. Faith deepens, being contracted and accumulated, and it bursts out with new energy. So it was in the past, and so it will be in our country. Georgia is no exception to this universal law. St. Ambrose spoke these remarkable last words to his persecutors. My soul belongs to God, my heart to my motherland, and with my flesh you may do whatever you wish. The court sentenced the Catholicos Patriarch of all Georgia to seven years, nine months, and 28 days in prison. At the end of 1924, St. Ambrose and the other members of the Synodal Council were granted amnesty, but their grave experience had already taken its toll. The Georgian flock lost its faithful shepherd in 1927. In 1995, the life of Catholicos Patriarch of all Georgia, Ambrose Kalenia, was discussed at an expanded council of the Holy Synod of the Georgian Church. In recognition of his great achievements on behalf of the Church and nation, St. Ambrose was canonized as St. Ambrose the Confessor. St. Dimitri, the King, also called the Devoted, was a great-grandson of Holy Queen Tamar. God sent St. Dimitri many tribulations during his childhood, thus encouraging him in the faith from an early age. Dimitri was still an infant when the Mongols killed his mother, the pious queen Vansa. His father, King David V, 1258-1269, died when Dimitri was just 10 years old. When he reached the age of 12, the royal court sent him to the Mongol Ordu, the military camp and headquarters of the Mongols. This particular camp of the Ilkhanid Mongols lay in Mughan, Abazerbayan, and was ruled by Abaka Khan. 1265-1282. The Ilkhanid Mongols were descendants of Kubali Khan's brother, Hulegu. As the Georgians were under Mongol dominion, they asked Abaka Khan to proclaim Dmitri king, and their request was honored. Filled with virtue, King Dmitri ruled the nation in wisdom and kindness. At night he would go out in search of the poor, the infirm, and the orphan to distribute his wealth to them. The king took advantage of comparatively peaceful periods to build and restore churches and monasteries and to strengthen fortifications. Many of King Dimitri's lofty goals, however, were never realized, because the Khan was constantly calling the Georgian soldiers to arms. A vast number of Georgia's finest soldiers fought and perished in the Khan's battles. 
Soon Georgia was exhausted from battle and the sacrifice of her son's blood in the wars of foreign nations. Internal strife began to tear at the Georgian people, and in desperation they began to pillage the lands and villages that belonged to their own church. During this difficult time, Dmitri yielded to a temptation. Although already joined in a marriage of political convenience, he abducted Natella, the daughter of southern Georgia's ruler, Beka Jakeli. She bore Dmitri a son, whom they named Georgi. He would later be honored with the title Georgi V the Brilliant, 1314 to 1346. After the death of Abaka Khan, his brother, Ahmad Teguder, 1282-1284, was proclaimed Khan. In the second year of his reign, Ahmad's brother, Konkurdam, plotted to overthrow him but failed. A short time later, Abaka Khan's son, Aragun, 1284-1291, rose up against his uncle and seized the throne. Finally, Bugar Jing Sang, the Khan's prime minister, organized a plot against Aragun. On January 17, 1289, Buga Ching-sang was executed along with his fellow conspirators. Demetre, who had been on friendly terms with the Khan, was now summoned to the Khan's ordu as a suspected member of the plot. King Demetre immediately surmised the reason for the summons. The Khan is very angry and has called me to him, he told his court. I am certain he intends to do me evil, but my kingdom will lie defenseless before him if I do not go. How many Christians will die or become his slaves? How many churches will be laid to waste? Truly my life cannot be so valuable that I could live and bear this sin while many Christian souls are left to perish. It is my wish to go to the Khan. God's will be done. If I am killed, I will be certain that my country is saved. The royal court tried with all its might to convince Demetri that it was foolish to go, meet certain death, and leave the country without a ruler. Catholicos Abraham alone supported King Dimitri's decision and advised him, If you sacrifice your own life for your nation, we, the bishops of this land, will bear your sins and will pray to God that you be numbered among the holy martyrs. For the Lord himself said, Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. John chapter 15, verse 13. And if it is good for a man to lay down his life for just one neighbor, how profitable is it for a man to die for the sake of many? Upon hearing these words, the king rejoiced exceedingly and began to prepare for his journey to the Mongol Ordu. He took with him Catholicos Abram, a certain priest, Mose, his son David, and several members of his court. At the Ordu, the Mongols could find no fault in the young Georgian king, but they imprisoned him nevertheless. Then a group of Georgian faithful forced their way into the prison to see him and offered to help. The king was deeply moved by their compassion, but nevertheless he told them, I knew from the beginning the death I would suffer, and I offered my life for this nation. If I escape now, the nation will be destroyed. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Mark chapter 8, verse 36. The Khan ordered his execution. Fully prepared to meet death, King Demetri prayed fervently, received the holy gifts, and gave up his soul to the Lord. Those present witnessed a divine miracle. The sun grew dark, and an ominous gloom enshrouded the whole city. The holy relics of the royal martyr Demetri were guarded until the Catholicos and the priest Mose secretly retrieved the body, and with the help of a group of Tbilisi fishermen, returned the king to his homeland. He was buried in Mishketa 
in the burial vault of his forefathers at Svetishko Valley Cathedral.